is you. Who really gets on your nerves, who really makes you angry. That person that you resent, that person that you are unable to forgive, that person you just cannot bear the sight of. Uh, It may be, hopefully not somebody you know, uh, but it might be. uh, Or it may be somebody that you just see on the news every day, who every time you see them you just feel anger welling up from within. Well, in a way, this is sort of the people that Jesus is talking about when he turns to his disciples and says, I'm calling you now to love your enemies. But let me flip the question around slightly differently as well. Who dislikes you the most in the world? Who doesn't like you? Who can't stand the sight of you? I hope no one, but there might be somebody out there who just can't stand to be around you. Clash of personalities, experiences from the past, something that's gone wrong in a relationship, whatever it may be. Is there anybody in your life who persecutes you, who challenges you, who argues with you simply because of the fact that you believe in Jesus and for no other reason than that? Now that's more the kind of enemy that Jesus was talking about here. As he gathers around his disciples, still as part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, having told them that he desires for them to be salt and light to the world, he goes on to say this thing about loving your enemies. This so countercultural, upside-down way of thinking crashes in through the words of Jesus to the ears of the disciples and those gathered around to love your enemies. Jesus knows there are already people who are riling up against him. There are already people who are disliking more than disliking him hating him for what he's doing accusing him of blasphemy accusing him of all kinds of different things gathered in the very crowd that he's speaking to people who would kill him if they given the opportunity and he knows that the same is coming for their disciples as well that a time is coming when they're going to face similar such things that they're going to go through times where nobody loves them everybody hates them and wants them killed And he's saying, in those times, are you able to love those enemies? Are you able to love those who come against you, who stand against you, and would want you killed? And this is such a countercultural way of speaking. And we know that because Jesus says, you have heard it said. Can we have it back up if it's possible, Paul, to have it up on the screen? If you've still got your Bibles open on Matthew 5. Come in a minute. He, was, he says, you have heard it said, you know, hate your enemy, you know, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. And when Jesus says that, he's not quoting a piece of Old Testament scripture. He's not saying, you've heard it said in Ezekiel chapter 37, or whatever it may be, you know, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. Jesus isn't quoting anything from scripture here. What he's saying is, you've heard it said around you, this is the way it is. This is just what culture says to you, love your neighbour, hate your enemy. Basically, what he's saying is you've heard it said around you, people misinterpreting scripture to say what they think scripture is saying and to make life easy for themselves, to justify their revenge, to justify the the, the bitterness they feel inside them about those who've wronged them, to justify that they've basically said, well, we think that God is the kind of person who would say something like this. Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. You just have to look at how God operates in the Old Testament to see that that's true. That's how God works. He, he just destroys his enemy. He hates, he hates them. But nowhere do you actually see that. I mean, what you see in Scripture is that God absolutely abhors sin. He can't stand the sight of sin. He hates sin. But what you see behind that is an incredible love for the sinner. An incredible love for his people. And what you actually see in scripture more often than not is God even blessing his enemies. 
God even doing something to save those enemies, giving those enemies an opportunity. Every act of judgment comes after an opportunity for repentance and forgiveness and life with God. Marked and driven by a love of a God who is going the extra mile for his enemies. Now you may not be sitting here this morning considering yourself to have been an enemy of God. I don't know how many here are here because they used to be an atheist and Jesus has done a miracle in your life and that's great if that's the case. But I'm sure many of you here will just know that you kind of lived a normal life and then eventually somehow you found Jesus uh, through whatever cause it may be and you came to life in him. And you may not have considered yourself uh, to be an enemy of God. But elsewhere in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12... When Jesus is still teaching his disciples, it's very clear that they are grappling a great deal with this whole concept of loving your enemies. Jesus is around his disciples again and he says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather scatters. Every single person in this room has been an enemy of God. Look what God did with his enemies. He sent Jesus for them. He sent Jesus that he may take the punishment that those enemies deserve. He took the initiative to restore the relationship that has caused us to be enemies in the first place from the fall. He dealt with the issue. He showed forgiveness and grace and mercy and reconciliation and life, and relationship. He went the extra mile to ensure that we're no longer enemies, but as this passage goes on to say, that actually we become sons and daughters of God. What an incredible thing for us to receive. And you may not have considered yourself to be an enemy, but look what God does for his enemies. And then every week, We gather together and we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Because we know that anything we can offer this world is only a reflection of everything that Jesus has done for us. And so if we want to be a light and salt to this world, one of the strongest ways we can do that, one of the most impactful ways we can do that, Jesus says as he's teaching his disciples about this in this passage, is to be loved to our enemies. Because that will shock the world around you because it's so countercultural. It's so opposite to what the world does and how the world reacts and how the world responds. We think justice, we think uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We think if we get wronged, we have the right to wrong back. We hold that resentment, we seek to get revenge and everyone thinks that that's okay. There are entire um, TV shows even titled that and films and it's the theme of many, many films, getting revenge, getting our own back to those who wronged us. But the call from Jesus is the upside down kingdom call to love our neighbours and to love our enemies and I'm not going to stand here and pretend that this is an easy thing (laughs) it really is not and Jesus knows it's not easy because he's been there and he's done it And, and he's standing here in front of his disciples knowing what's coming their way 
And he's calling them to a different way of life. A way of life that will speak volumes of the love of God to the world that needs him the most. To the other enemies of him around the world who need to know the relationship he offers. You see, it's obvious that God desires love from us. I mean, he's love itself. If you want to define God in a word, it's the word love. It says in scripture, God is love and those who live in love live in God. It's words that we use at weddings fairly regularly that just remind us that God himself is love. And so whenever we're able to love in any kind, for any reason, any person, we reflect that part of us that is made in God's image. That part that has the ability to love is, is shown to the world. But what Jesus is saying here is, is that love, loving generally, okay, that's fine. Anybody could do that. He says even the tax collectors are able to love those who love them back. Anybody's able to do that. It's easy peasy. To be able to love those who love you back, to be able to love those it's easy to love, anybody could do that. And when Jesus is referring here to the tax collectors, that's generally a, a kind of term that was used to represent the Roman Empire as a whole. Now, everybody around Jesus at this moment, everyone who's gathered around him, unless they were part of it, hated the Roman Empire. It was like they, it was their enemy around them because they were oppressed by them. Uh, the way of life that they were being led under was not one that people liked. And tax collectors particularly were not the most favorable people in the world. Uh, I know they're not particularly popular today, but back then it was even worse because of the corruptness of the, go- the government around them at the time. And he's saying even those people, even those enemies, even those enemies are able to love those who love them. Because that's easy. What Jesus is talking about is when love is a choice. And that's much harder. It's not just a feeling, but it's a decision that sometimes has to override our feelings to choose to love our enemies, to choose to love those who wrong us. And it's a really difficult thing for us to do. And at the heart and at the root of that, and one of the main outworkings of that, and one of the main necessities of that love, of being salt and light to our enemies, is the need for forgiveness. Knowing that we ourselves have been forgiven, we are called to a life of forgiveness to those who wrong us. Forgiveness doesn't mean that justice isn't done. Forgiveness doesn't mean that that consequences aren't played out. Forgiveness really is a state of the heart and our relationship with God and with that person. Let me uh, share a story that I heard a while ago that I hope will help to uh, visualise this in some way. Forgiveness is one of those things that's a very difficult concept to grasp. It's very different and difficult to know how we've forgiven somebody, when we've forgiven somebody, uh, if we're able to forgive somebody, uh, and it's really hard to tell. But this story really helped me with this. The story was a, of, a, of a pastor... Uh, and I think in America or Canada, I can't remember uh, where they were, but I heard their story. And as he was growing up, he had a mentor. And when he was a young pastor, he had a mentor whom he trusted with his life. They were really close friends, really close partners in the gospel. Uh, really, they got on like a house on fire and, and really brought the best out of each other. And then one day, this pastor was wronged by his mentor in, in a really big way. He didn't go into details as what it was, but there was clearly a massive breaking down of relationship. And the pastor felt incredibly betrayed, incredibly wronged by this mentor that he knew and trusted so well. 
As is always the case, he carried resentment and bitterness towards him for a number of years and then he kind of forgot about it and carried on with life and made new friends and moved on and, and carried on in ministry, but came to a point where he just felt he was really stuck in his relationship with God and he couldn't go any further. And then when he looked deeper inside himself through another mentor, through somebody who was helping him journey through that, he realized he was carrying this bitterness and this unforgiveness in his heart towards this person and he had not been able to forgive him and as a result he had become stuck in his own walk with God because that forgive that unforgiveness had made him a prisoner and that's what unforgiveness does it makes us prisoners of uh, uh, really we're our own prisoners and the only key is us choosing to forgive and he came to realize that uh, and he sensed a call from God to begin to try just to try to forgive this person just to try to forgive him. And he didn't know what that looked like, and he didn't know how to do that. And so with the help of of somebody counselling through that, he kind of sought God about it, and God said, pray for him. Pray for me to bless him. This pastor found that really hard. He'd not spoken to this guy for over 20 years, and he'd been holding that resentment for all of that time. And so he began... Let's just say the guy's name was was John. He was like, Lord bless John. And that was his prayer. That was as far as it went. He was like, Lord bless John. Through gritted teeth, through pain, through anguish. I don't really believe what I'm saying, but Lord bless John. And after a little bit of time of journeying through that, he began to realise he actually did want God to bless John. And he knew a slight change had happened in his heart. Now, it wasn't a complete forgiveness journey. He wasn't complete on that journey. He hadn't completely forgiven John. He was still hurt. He had still been wronged. He still wanted justice and all those kind of things. And then one day he prayed his usual, Lord bless John. And he sensed God say, now I want you to pray for John like you pray for your wife. That was a hugely difficult thing for this pastor to do. And it took months and months of praying and counselling and help to be able to do that. And then he realised one day he was able to do it. He was able to pray for John the way he would pray for his own wife, for the best for him, for God's best for him, for blessing and and grace and love and mercy and all those kind of things that he wanted uh, his wife to know, he wanted John to know as well, even though he'd been wronged. He then wrote to John, expressing his forgiveness to John. John hadn't even known he'd done anything wrong. He had no idea. So the only person who was in pain for those 20 years was this young pastor who'd harboured that unforgiveness. And when he found it, when he chose to love somebody who had become his enemy reconciliation became possible now there were still consequences for John there were still things that they had to work through together and John had to recognize his actions had been wrong but forgiveness was possible and here was this pastor able to love somebody who had become his enemy and his life was changed by that moment but also what it did was it transformed his church because he had been on an incredible journey that he knew other people needed to go on as well. 
And he said, if we're going to be really different in this world, we need to be able to love our enemies and forgive them where they've wronged us. You see, forgiveness is a mark of love. And we know that because Jesus has shown us forgiveness as a mark of love. You know, his desire is for us to turn to relationship with him. And I know you're sitting here this morning with a heavy heart, probably feeling incredibly guilty, probably thinking of those people you find it difficult to love. And I want to say, do you know what? That's okay. It's okay to sit with that feeling. Uh, Actually, it's not, not planned. But Lindsay and I have been listening to this week about the difference between guilt and shame. And sometimes having a guilt feeling is okay because a guilt feeling says I've done something wrong and and I need to do something about it. Shame says I'm a bad person. And what God wants to do for you this morning, I think, is to remove the shame to say you're not a bad person if you're unable to forgive that person, if you're unable to love your enemies, if you're unable to love that person that wrongs you. That doesn't make you a bad person. But it does give you an opportunity to begin to try to become more like Christ. As you try, and only asking you to try, to begin to forgive the person who's wronged you. And then on that journey of forgiveness, begin to love the person who's wronged you. And if you're feeling really, really brave, and I mean incredibly brave, because it does take bravery, then there's a prayer you can pray Because all of this is Jesus' desire for us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Now that's a high bar. (laughs) And and we fall short of it big time. And thankfully by his blood he's made us clean in his eyes. And we are righteous in his sight. But we're still on a journey of being transformed into, into his likeness. And so what we've got to do then is basically see things how God does. In order for us to be more like Jesus when it comes to loving others, we need to know how Jesus did it and how he does it today. So if you are feeling incredibly brave, then you can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, help me to see them how you do. I say it's brave because sometimes that hurts. Because somebody you've hated for so long you will come to realise is loved by God. And that will challenge us and it will change us and it will mould us and it will shape us and hopefully will kickstart us onto that little journey or big journey of forgiveness. But what I can say, standing here knowing it's not easy and admitting it's a very difficult thing to do and not beginning to profess to have it sorted I know that that kind of love makes the world take notice. If you think about a news story that says that somebody was wronged, they got revenge, and it was all that was the end of the story, you'd think, well, that's fair enough. That's just what happens, isn't it? You know, they deserved it, they had it coming to them. But think of the news story where somebody is wronged and they choose forgiveness over the person that's wronged them. That speaks volumes through acts like that the light of Jesus shines so brightly you cannot ignore it because it's so countercultural to what the world says so Jesus says you've heard it said love your neighbour that's easy but hate your enemy 
It's just not true. Jesus' call to us is to love our enemies. And as this pastor discovered praying for John, to pray for those who persecute you. It's a very difficult path to walk. But you walk it with somebody who's been there and done it for you when you were an enemy of God. How amazing is that? That the God of the universe took the initiative out of love to offer forgiveness so that we can no longer be enemies but sons and daughters of God. And now we have the opportunity to be a reflection of that in the world. As hard as it is, you don't do it alone. But boy, will the world notice when we do. You see, God says this is how you will know my disciples, by how you love one another. In a sense, that's quite an easy thing to do in church. But how you love your enemies is what will really make this world take notice. Because Jesus has offered it to us. So let's offer it to the world. Let's stand together. we were uh, putting together the salt and light series and I wrote down the words salt and light to our enemies I instantly regretted doing it (laughs) Uh, knowing that it was not going to be an easy thing to preach on um, because it does leave us with that kind of sense of of heavy heartedness so just before we sing I think we need to allow God to do something uh, in us this morning so I just want to encourage you to just be still where you are And the first thing I want to pray, God, is that shame would have no place in this room now. I pray that nobody here this morning will leave this place feeling ashamed if they have struggled to love somebody who's difficult to love. But that they would know your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy. So we say in the name of Jesus that shame has no place. Shame is not welcome here. Shame was dealt with on the cross as you made us righteous in your sight. But we know, God, that living as Jesus has called us to live is not an easy thing to do. We know there are times you call us to do things that are above and beyond our ability naturally. And so we ask for your Spirit's help and guidance this morning. That as we think of those people who we find it difficult to love, we ask that you would help us to see them as you do. And to begin to try to forgive them and to love them as you do. more than anything else we thank you that when we were still far off you came to meet us in Jesus your son that where we were enemies you've made us children of God that where there was a barrier you removed it powerfully through the cross of Jesus Christ And we thank you that we are no longer enemies, 
but we are sons and daughters of the living God. Help us to walk and to live in that truth and to share the hope of that truth to those who need it most in this world today. In your name we pray. Amen.